UFO roundtable. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts. Welcome to this week's. No, I don't even know what this week's is. It this month. This welcome. Month. To... <laughs> well, we're twenty seconds in, and it's already gone it's wrong. Disaster, isn't it? Albert, <laughs> elsewhere as well. Sorry. <laughs> I take everything back I said about about Frank. Yeah, this is harder than it looks. So, yeah. welcome to this month's UAP roundtable. Things gonna be a little bit differently, as Frank UFO thinker is taking a little bit of a sabbatical from the podcast. So, he won't be joining us this month. Hopefully, we'll see him soon. But hope we do you proud, Frank. From the start, we've had um, might be a clue of what how it's gonna go, but we shall see. <laughs> Uh, this one's going to be a little bit different because it's going to be a Congress hearing special focusing on the run-up to the testimony itself and the sort of reaction to the recent US Congress hearings. So joining me is my co-host, partner in crime, Greg. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you. Good. And we are joined as ever by the man himself, Mr. Dave Smeverst. Uh, yes, hello, gentlemen. Yeah, we do wonder where Frank is. I wonder if he was seen getting on a jet going back to the States <laughs> with dark glasses. Maybe things have got so bad in the States, he had to come out from deep cover and go back to help him out, you know, uh, at Langley. But maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I saw him in the back door that hearing, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet he, I see him behind me now. What a bit of a garrote. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and returning from... His first appearance on the round table last month is Matt IH. Welcome, Matt. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here again. Good to have you. Good, good to, to have see you, you, Matt. Had a good first show, so we uh, yeah, so no hesitation it's only downhill. inviting you back. It's only Enjoy downhill from now, though, Matt. I must be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably said all me good stuff already now. So. Well, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, I've had a bad day. No, yeah. <laughs> no I haven't. I've had a quite a good day. so yes like i say we're going to be covering the last week's congressional hearings the public hearings with grush fravor and graves um don't go too much into the background of it just because we all think i want to listen to this we kind of know what's been happening if you're not into the topic you're probably seeing on the news i've been hitting the media so before we get into that uh let's i guess let's begin so, Dave, yes, over true. to you. Well, I think we might be better just looking at the build-up first of all to it because we had uh, the week before, uh, we weren't quite sure who was going to chair it. Uh, we had uh, Bichette did a big press conference, bipartisan one with uh, Luna, and I can't remember the name of the other two. They were both Democrats talking about the cover-up. We're going to kick that. And he was really good, actually. I thought he was really good. And then, interestingly enough... Uh, just at the last minute, there was a massive kerfuffle uh, because uh, everybody was going, what about the chair? And they found out he wasn't chairing it. The man who'd sorted it mm. out, Tim Bichette. So everybody thought that the fix was in, the DOD had nobbled him. But in fact, what it was, they'd have problems finding the right committee time to do it because it was for the recess. And it was a subcommittee. And it was just the rules. That there's all loads of rules around it, a bit like in our parliament, particularly there, about who can be the chair and all the rest of it. And it has to be the ranking member, the ranking... Republican in this case, I think it was a Republican. I can't quite remember. Yeah, it was a Republican. So, but they really did let 
as we'll get into, they did let Bichette chair it, really, him and Luna. So the guy was pretty good, I thought. But So there was rumours about it being a fix. That was okay. Then we had Grush coming in, and he was... Uh, he had quite a phalanx of people behind him. He had your two favourites. Well, George Knapp and Jeremy, with Jeremy Corbell, was behind him. He had the former Inspector General, who's still his lawyer. There was some rumours James Clapper, the CIA director, was behind him, but apparently he wasn't... Uh, according to some people who were there and spoke to him. We had Dan Warren there. There was loads of people. There was a lot of the point about that. It was quite poignant, I thought. There was a lot of ex-intelligence people who'd been fighting for disclosure, some people who'd probably been party to some of the cover-up and all the rest of it who wanted to right the wrongs, as it were. So you had this like this phalanx of support behind him. So that was quite impressive, that. Opening statements have been read before, so we got them the night before from... Uh, from all the three witnesses, and uh, George Knapp and Jeremy also entered a statement into the record again. To the cheers, I'm sure, in the from Greg and Ash there, they both said. But the statements are really good, actually. If you read them, I thought they were anyway. Uh, and then, so then we got into the format, which was, and I'll leave it here. The three of them were speaking together, which was a bit of a surprise. So it moved over in the week. There was a lot of anticipation. And we're all on the edge of our seat opening. Don't be a nothing burger. Please don't be a nothing burger. And so that was my take on it. It was, I was on the edge of my seat. So what about you guys? So I think, so we, we spoke the week before about the, the act. And we talked a lot about sort of the, trying the, the wording of this disclosure act. And then we talked about the, the hearing itself wondering who i think that was the big bit who was going to be the witnesses called forward because mm. even quite close it wasn't entirely clear who it was and then it came out there was grush graves and fravor and it was a bit like oh yeah yeah nobody knew and we've heard everything that they've all said before but then I was thinking myself, well, actually, we might have as a community, but a lot of people haven't. And I suppose some of the strongest voices of UAP incidents or some of the cases recently have been Fravor, because he's been all over the place, Joe Rogan, everything. Ryan Graves, again, he's been on Joe Rogan, for example. And you got Grush, who's just come out as the whistleblower and it was like oh, okay okay we'll see and like you mentioned is it just going to be a bit of a deflating moment we're not really gonna everybody's going to be called in separately potentially this is before we we saw it and uh yeah it'll be a bit of a rerun of the first one where they didn't know how to work a video and they were standing up going yeah, that bit rewind it a bit rewind it a bit it was never that first one where they just it was all a bit of a bit of a showpiece on there. But when they all sat down together and they'd done their that opening statement, Burchette was even saying, um, he's got his good friends George Knapp and Corbell um have helped get us to this point. <laughs> and I want to come back to those two a little bit later when we when we speak about it in a bit more detail. But my initial thoughts was before it started, all three of them lined up all took their oath and thought, well, actually, maybe if they're all speaking as one mouthpiece, we we might get something. So that was where it got me up to that 
that start point. And also the guy who was chairing it said, um, talked about cover up again, that there's been a cover up and we're here to sort of get to the bottom of it. So it started off pretty well before anybody really started getting going. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I thought that the I had a similar reaction to the announcement to you uh, when I saw that it was David Grush, David Praver, and Ryan Graves. I because uh, I, I had the idea that it was going to be people who had worked on the programs, like the alleged programs, um, and I don't know if maybe I got the wrong end of the stick or maybe other people who I'd seen tweeting about it might have also got the wrong end of the stick. Um, but I thought that that was what it was going to be. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I had a similar reaction of, huh? like, we've all heard their testimony before. But as you say, we've not heard it under oath in a congressional context. Um, and I think David Grush's statements were particularly powerful in that context because he's swore an oath. Um, he's testifying this stuff under oath. And he's saying in front of Congress that we have retrieved off-world vehicles and non-human biologics. Um, if he's lying, he could literally go to prison for that. So, it, you know, it, I, I, I think it's a case of he's either 100... I think he is 100% on it. Um, what I wonder is, because there is a sort of disinformation element to the UFO subject... Um, but I do have a little niggle in my mind of the people he's talked to, these first-hand witnesses, like what have they actually seen or worked on? And obviously that's the million-dollar question, really. Um, but I, I, coming back to the hearing itself, I did uh, I, I listened to the whole thing. I found it really compelling. Uh, it was such a step forward from the previous hearings we've had. Like it was clearly people who really had an interest in the subject. They knew what questions to ask. Um, it was obvious that they'd done reading around it and followed the discourse about the subject, as opposed to I, I did feel with the previous hearings, it sort of felt like a couple of administrative people who were kind of just there because they had to be. Um, that, that was the impression I got anyway. Um, and didn't really know or care very much about it. That that was certainly the uh, impression that they gave from my perspective. Um, but yeah, I found them all great to listen to. I was encouraged by some of the questions from the Congress members. I'm also encouraged by how much coverage that it's getting and how many people are interested in it. Um, like the number of views that the live streams of the hearings have been getting compared to other hearings, like congressional hearings, there's clearly a huge public appetite for this. Um, to the point where I'm even seeing people on my Facebook posting about it, like who I didn't even know had any interest in it. So that that is surely a really positive step forward for the UFO conversation. Definitely. I think at one point there's over 100,000 on the official live stream viewing it, and then there's thousands on... Like I, I watched some Ryan Sprague's one. There's over a thousand on there and everything like that. And I guess for me, regarding like the the witnesses, I was hoping someone knew. Uh, just have a new name thrown into the ring. Um, because I was kind of a bit skeptical with just having them three. I thought, is is it going to be anything good? 
Um, and the day or two before, there was some rumours going around of a mystery witness going around social media, going to be joining who that could be and, and all this stuff, all the drama uh, in the build-up to it. But in the end, it was just them three. Um, but as we'll come on to, yeah, totally, totally blown away. So we move on to kind of, I mean, I guess kind of the intro was like, they had the opening statements. It basically just recaps who they are and quick, like, brief description of like Ryan Graves and David Favors' experiences and the whistleblowing from David Grush, which we all know about. And then we had the chairman, uh, got too many pages of notes here. Uh, Groffman uh, was the chair. Not very he, good. He, uh, he no, his, I'm not uh, being sarcastic. I'd forgot his name. I couldn't remember his name. Is it Grossman or Groffman, whatever it was? Groffman, yeah. yeah. Um, the, was the chair. Like I say, he handed over quite a bit to the chair, so did the other congressmen and women, sort of gave any of their extra time back to... Because the format of it, I guess, I mean, I guess for a lot of us, especially in the UK, uh, for the first time we've watched anything, like, a, I mean, we don't really have cameras in our courtrooms or anything like that, but in America they do, and seeing sort of how it kind of works, and like, you all have like five minutes or ten minutes each to talk, and then you get like on all gonna open time, I'm gonna stop asking questions and I've got two minutes left, I'd give that to somebody else to use up. Um, people tend to pass their time back to Burchett too. Because he was kinda of like say a pseudo chairman of the Yeah. Of the whole thing, which was uh, pretty cool. Um so you mentioned Job George Knapp and Corbell. Um obviously Corbell gets himself front and centre, uh, directly between uh Grushen Fravor, so he's in the camera frame. For most of the for most of the hearing, not <laughs> nodding his way along, yeah, and when everyone's talking, he put a lot of work into it. Though, in fairness, I mean, I know, I know, yeah, I have put a lot of work into it, a lot of prep, and he was very good afterwards, and his statement was pretty good. That's just my, I know, I, that's I know, I get what you guys are saying, but I did think he had, he put the hard yards in as as Nap, so you know, uh, and I think he knows that. Pretty well, so there's a bit of moral support going on there. But I suppose, yeah, he was right behind him. I suppose. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's my first eyeball. Was like, mm. really? It's like, really? Got Bowser sat right there, right in the camera. We, we did call it, you know, Ash. Though on our show we did the week before, we did say we talked about how it'd be nice to get new faces, but we did say it'd probably be two pilots and Grush, and we were right. If you remember, that was what where we we, we got to. So, and I thought it worked really well, to be honest with you. I think because you've got two trusted people, you had effectively the people saying, well, this is a very specific, famous incident, and this is what we saw. Then you had the frequency and more general frequency of it, both pilots talking about the craft and how they did it. And then you had Grush with all the real detail. I thought that worked well, and I thought the three of them, the interaction, because I, I think everybody thought it was going to be one witness, then another witness, then another witness, but it wasn't that at all. So, so it's it, it, what well, I thought it worked. Uh, I thought it worked pretty well. I mean, it was stunning to me when they were all sworn in. I found I wouldn't say I found it moving, but I found it pretty stunning. And like you were saying, Matt, they're all under oath. That's a big thing. That they're under oath, particularly Grush was under oath. Thought like him going on on a TV interview, but he was there, wasn't he? And he didn't, you know, he didn't change. He had to moderate a couple of little things, but because uh, I think he was being careful, but he didn't change what he said. Uh, and it was a real uh, sort of historic moment. You could feel the importance in the room. And they all stopped clapping. When they all started clapping, I thought, oh, don't start clapping all the way through and be a rabble. But actually, they, they, they weren't, you know what I mean? They were all right, really. Uh, I mean, 
he kept referencing the barriers, didn't he? And no skiff. But yeah, he really went on about that. And that is a thing because they could have gone into that. They said there are barriers all the way. And apparently the mystery guest, the mystery guest, the mystery witness, apparently the Air Force had blocked that at the last minute. And I think Ooh. that was that guy from uh, space was Carl Rem, I think. I can't remember. I keep getting his name wrong in my mind. But anyway. Carl Nell? Nell, that's it. I, yeah. Because he, was, he yeah. was the one who vouched for David Grush, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I might, I might be wrong on it was him because we don't know, but that's that's the speculation. But uh, the, the, the other thing, really, I thought uh, all the Congress people took it seriously. They were very respectful of the witnesses, which is a good gauge for other people coming forward. It wasn't a hostile reception, you know, and they're all, you know, and uh, a lot of them looked shaken up when they were listening to all this stuff coming out. They weren't aware of it. Just coming back to what you were saying, Gang, I thought the committee members really asked some cracking questions. The standard mm -hmm. of questions was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, to the point where I think somebody might have written them all and dished them out beforehand uh, because they were that good. Uh, the staffers would have done a lot of work on that. There must have done a lot of prep between them. There's only two members who one cut rush off a bit. Uh, uh, I was a bit rude trying to make her own points, and another person talking about the space distance. He come over as a bit of a fool. That seems to be the general uh, consensus. I mean, it's in yeah. my view, whatever. But I think generally, uh, it, it it was really good, and all the witnesses spoke well. I'll shut up in a minute. All the witnesses spoke well. The the combination of the witnesses, I say, worked well, and uh, I, I think that it really come over from from Fravor and uh, Graves about the weird performance and how we didn't have any, they didn't have anything like that. And it was pretty, it's different hearing it on podcasts or reading it and then hearing them saying that it really hit home to me even, you know? So I, I thought that was uh, pretty good. And just before we, because I mean, I think Grush's testimonies was the meat we might get into. It. I mean, you obviously have all things to say as well, but what was a real surprise package was when uh, Graves referred to that bloody cube. 100-foot football field size, 100-yard, I should say, football field size cube that appeared, I think it was Vandenberg Air Base, where overall the nuclear missile launching facility. By a load of Boeing contractors saw it in whenever it was, 2008, or maybe it was 2003, I can't remember. Anyway, they all saw it. I mean, and he just threw that in, and that's in the record. But that is, think about that, cube size of Old Trafford or whatever, size of a football pitch, you know, cube. Square or square, yeah, cube, floating above the missile things. And then they got buzzed a couple of days after that by smaller craft and, and God knows what. So it, it was just great. I thought it was, anyway, I thought it was, uh, the questions were great and the, all the gravitas of it was great. And it was a really, and they were all up for it, the Congress people, which I think is linked to the legislation because in the opening statements, they mentioned the legislation as well. And you think about, as you were saying, Chuck Schumer mentioned you know, human intelligence and all these definitions. So I think the Congress, the rumour is the Congress know they've had the wool pulled under their eyes. They've seen, Chris Sharp said they see some smoking gun evidence, or a lot of them have. The words got round and they were all really going for it. So uh, that was, I thought it was mad the way it started. So it all just seemed to start. Anyway, that was my impressions of the opening bits, as it were, anyway. Yeah, it's a bird check. Um, kind of talked about Congress uh, members having their own sightings that come to him about them, but they also want to remain anonymous. So, like I say, with the questions and the amount of people there, it does seem to be taken 
seriously. And Burchett also in his opening statements talking about they had tried to put legislation in towards the FAA and giving somewhere for pilots to report stuff and but the intelligence community shut it down and didn't even get past like getting added to the amendment or anything like that, which is interesting in itself. Then I guess from this they are gonna be getting something put put in place. But the one you mentioned about Vandenberg, just to talk about that while it was mentioned. Uh, Anna Pauline Deloner was the one that asked Mr. Uh, Ryan Graves about that 2003 it was. And it started off at 8.45 in the morning. Uh, the, say, 100-yard red square approached the base from the ocean and hovered at low altitude over one of the launch facilities. It remained for about 45 seconds before darting off into the mountains. And there's a similar event less than 24 hours later in, in the evening. Wow. Including some aggressive behaviour towards the security guards and then flying off at rapid speeds and that's over the base and that was that was documented and the official documentation and records that they've had like since 2003 about that event wow that's just insane <laughs> it is it really is it is insane <clears throat> one of the other ones that he mentioned was about that his um, one of his colleagues as they were coming in that with it an object came within 50, um, 50 feet of him. That was another one that I thought was crazy as well. And the fact that I just wanted to, sorry, when you were talking about that, my brain was going off on one, that they said that before and as part of their safety briefings, before they went out on the East Coast, every day they briefed them from a safety point of view, about these objects that they were now seeing. Yeah. So as part of their safety briefing of any flight, watch out for these things that might might interact with. Now that in itself, again, there's an acknowledgement from somebody that there's objects up there that hadn't previously, or the scary thing is they hadn't previously seen them on any kind of radar or any instrumentation until they upgraded the radar systems. So can you imagine these things were potentially flying around with uh, military aircraft and they didn't even know they were up there? I mean, they asked a question, didn't they? They said, uh, and this was a bit in the middle of it, do you think you were being surveilled? Do you think the behaviour was consistent with surveillance, you know, the battlefield surveillance? He said, yes, all three of them said that. That was a, And I thought that was, that was pretty significant. One of them that parked at the entrance point, it must be the, at the right altitude and the right coordinates for where all the jets must come into the training space. So they knew deliberately, they knew where it was. So that was a bit of intimidation. And like you say, they haven't seen them before, but like you say, every day, madness. Sorry, Ash, I jumped in a bit there. When you and I, and I jumped in, I double jumped in, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. They're the, uh, the uh, cubes within the clear sphere. Yeah. Uh, that we that we witnessed, we, like they saw it. They were on, they, like I said, they were caught on radar once with radar systems. They've caught another flight in flight systems. They were seeing like with the art, with, like the visuals on it as well, and it's just hovering. Yeah, and the sky is fifteen feet dark cubes in a clear clear sphere. It's like it's, what? It's uh, insane. But what about um? So they clearly there is a sub some kind of um surveillance thing which as you pointed out Dave that all three of them sort of said yeah and it's interesting because the with the tic tac 
there was only there were some coordinates where these planes were supposed to to fly to that nobody else knew about like this yeah. point cap point cap point yeah, yeah. It, within a, like a 3d space that nobody knew about and these tic tacs instantly went there before the planes got there yeah mm. so are these a similar type of surveillance craft that uh the graves saw albeit 10 years later um i don't know but yeah it's mad it's mad isn't it i mean you think uh i did have a bit of a laugh thinking you know if they imagine the square parked because that may be a force field around it then the square parked and this square alien gets out of the door do you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, but, uh, but maybe that, but they sound like drones, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> they sound like drones, you know. But uh, I think, that, uh, yeah, it's weird. It must have been so. And we won't get into the cat because Frank was here. We wouldn't get him off it because he knows that. Like, but, but, but yeah, that was very significant. That sorry, Matt, I've gone on a bit there. I think you probably want to say something there. Sorry. No, no worries. No, I, I think the um, the surveillance of nuclear facilities in particular is something really interesting. Um, and I'm glad that that was mentioned in the hearing as well. I believe it was mentioned at the previous hearing too, um, because they talked about Robert Salas's uh, sighting um, and the fact that there's like a sort of nuclear connection between UFOs um, and that they are interested in military capabilities. Um, and obviously, yeah, well, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing for him because he said to Mulcher, "Have you heard about that?" Mulcher went. Oh no, I didn't know about that. Did you yeah. know about that, Scott? He was that performance, you know, the two the Chuckle yeah. Brothers performance. Did <laughs> and then Salas posted on Twitter, didn't he, saying, "Well, actually, I've gone on record and told them about this." So yeah. either either he's not remembering or he's deliberately omitting. No, um, but it was that, that, that was later on though. Salas said he'd give evidence to Arrow later on, and it, that was a right. performance, a right amateurish performance. But the point is, they were saying we don't we'd only act upon things that were reported to us. Mm. Well, they reported it to themselves in the sixties. The yeah. only the Air Force who were reporting it, so they should they should have known about it. It was very embarrassing they didn't know about it. Plus, well, they Robert, were one of the two things. Sorry, there's Robert Hastings' book as well, UFOs and Nukes. Yeah, like, I mean, right. obviously, you know, if you're looking into this stuff um, from as your job, then surely, if people have already researched it, done the groundwork for you, that's worth a look at the very least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Should we move, do you want to move to what Grush said, or have you got anything else? No, I think Grush is... I'm up for yeah, Grush. My point, my, my take-out from this is that Grush coming forward into the press with Ross Coulthard was, was impressive, but still it's one man's perception, and you don't really... We, didn't, we only learn a bit about Grush. We'd not heard of him before. He appeared, and we had like these this session with Ross Coulthard, coming out with some extraordinary claims that verifies his background and who he's worked for and what he's done. So that's that was never in question. But to stand or to sit as a witness in a congressional hearing under oath, and in my mind, he come out of the as the leader of those three, considering how well decorated the other two are, to come out uh, um, and sort of be this almost the the backup of what these guys are saying is true. They referred to him at one point because I can't remember what the question was, but they said about um, 
something about reporting or something about the evidence and they both sort of separately said you need to speak to this man you need to speak to this man and the way he articulated everything the way he could recite certain parts of legislation and law um i thought was fascinating in the fact that he wasn't phased he was prepared to say as much as i felt he could do um but the questioning was on point like you say definitely they knew what they wanted to ask Burchette probably knew everything but wanted to get it down like officially because there's nothing more official than getting somebody to say it in front of congress or a congressional hearing and it go into that's in to writing now for forever as part of history um and to put your name behind saying all of that on oath is quite a big statement especially if you're not telling the truth um so i felt that grush was definitely the hero of the three of them personally um and he came across very confident yes he, he was well. prepared he knew what he was going to say he knew what he could say he knew what he couldn't say and he knew what what he could say as a follow-up question when he couldn't give the answer that he wanted so when they asked about um contractors and these non-human intelligent biologic biologics biology biologics yeah as a word i'd never heard <laughs> till that day and he said i can give you specific names specific details and they're like when can you give that to us it's like straight after this meeting i love so that he, he's ready to just throw it all i got the impression that he's ready to just give everything he's now got a bit of i say confidence i think he can see now that the public are behind him there's a lot of congress senators and uh and such like behind him and if anything was to happen to him now it would be it would be Painful too obvious, obvious. Yeah. yeah yeah he can't just sort of go missing now it's and he even suggested that his family hit the stuff him and his wife have seen in the aftermath of him coming forward has has been sort of terrifying i can't remember the word he used but it was it was disturbing like disturbing and that that says something so there's obviously <clears throat> some stuff being said and we harking back to the whistleblower um protection that we'd spoken about on many round tables and i'd mentioned the fact that yeah they might not come after you or they but they can administratively block you for stuff and that's exactly what he said he said i've seen like the administrative terrorism drop. yeah there's definitely and i knew that would be it they, they they can't stop you coming forward and they can't tell you off for it but they can very much limit what you can do going forward you could be in a desk job pushing paper clips around in a post room going forward and they've done nothing wrong so it was kind of sort of concentrating on on that point it was jamie waskin uh who's the the, the prison mic guy yeah the, yeah yeah and then the hair with the bandana on yeah, what's, I don't know what that's all. Anyway, I won't get into that. But I did. I did that. I, I've seen. I've lost your mic, Dave. 
Oh okay. Jesus! Sorry, okay. I'm excited. The mute. Now, yeah, that's the. I pressed. It. I thought I, I was on mute, and I pressed it the wrong. I put myself on mute. Yeah, I, what I was saying was, I don't want sure. I'm not. I can't. There's something to that bandana, and I couldn't remember what it was because he does wear that quite a bit, doesn't he? Because he was brilliant in the Trump here. He's not one to get into that, but he was really. Some people might think he was terrible, but I, I remember. I thought, what's he got that on for? But anyway, I didn't didn't linger on that. He probably some deeply personal thing that he wears on so i don't know why, why it's not a blood or a crip what not a blood or a crip no exactly it's something anyway yeah sorry yeah. i just keep seeing office memes yeah like fizzing right with the yeah congress <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, i've got a bit on uh did you what have you got anything there matt because i was going to go into what he'd said grush a little bit just to give us a bit of a a flavor um i was just it's like you say. I, I I was blown away as well by the fact that he was able to say it in front of Congress, and he was very confident about it. Um, I I remember Ross Coulthard was asked about, you know, how's he going to be in front of Congress, and Ross actually said he's looking forward to it. Um, and I could kind of see it. He seemed quite enthusiastic about what he was saying, and uh, of course, you know, it's it's a topic that we're obviously enthusiastic about. Um, and in terms of it being covered up and played down as well, I, I get the impression he's just done with it. Like he, he's just had enough of the administrative terrorism and the threats and what have you. And I remember last time I was on, I said it was a bit like a game of chess and Grush has got them in check now. Um, and especially with giving things like names of contractors, locations, um, things like that in a classified setting as well. Because um, even though there is the possibility that these contractors don't have anything, and I do still keep myself open to that possibility, um, if he's given them locations, then they can at least look and say for definite they definitely don't have what has been said that they've had. Um yeah, so I, I was really impressed with it. Um, I was really, it, it was quite, quite, I guess moving's the wrong word, but it, it was really quite, I guess, cathartic to see Grush say what he was saying in front of a congressional committee and it be taken seriously, like no laughter, no X-Files music, no, nothing like that. People took it seriously and they said, this is something that we're going to follow up on and look into, and it's a serious issue. Um, so yeah. I, I hope the public catch up soon, especially in the UK. I can see there's a lot of coverage in the US, but not massively in the UK. I mean, I mean, we'll get into that probably in a bit, but just to, you know, in terms of the aftermath, because that's a quite a big area for us to get into. But just from my point of view, I mean, as you know, I had absolutely no... And this is just my view. I've no doubt what he's saying is correct. And the reason I've no doubt, and it's a big statement that saying you've got no doubt, but uh, it's because of the actual level of verification process he had to go through before. And he had documents, photographs. He'd interviewed loads of people. He had testimony, names, locations. And then the IG, the, the Intelligence Community Inspector General, went through it all, interviewed the same people, interviewed some more people. So I think if he, if he was making it up or it was people weren't there or whatever, I just I just don't think it would have passed muster. Now, I might end up being wrong, but 
my view, I think it's, it's that's just my view. But I think he was right. I think he was absolutely, I thought he'd come over brilliantly. He was like the rock star was what a few people said. Very credible. Like you said, dead knowledgeable, Greg. And it was just phenomenal how he could call those facts from the air, you know, and how he knew it in such detail. He was, uh, I mean, I thought the detail and the verification of his testimony come over very clearly. You know, he knew everything he could tell. Like you said, he could tell them. Uh, he covered most of the areas of his testimony, I'd say. Like you say, he couldn't answer a few things directly, but he could give the detail. But I think he developed a new kind of soft yes in that hearing. In the, uh, if he, There was a couple of times when he didn't know. He said, oh, no, I don't know that. But all the other times when he couldn't quite answer, he said, oh, I'll tell you in the skiff, I'll do this, I'll do that. So he was really saying yes mm. a lot of the time. He just couldn't. He was quite clever how he did it, I thought. I mean... I think he- yeah, go on, sorry. sorry. No, please. I think a couple. I think a couple of times, um, the Congress people actually said, "So that's a yes." Then and then moved on, and he didn't yeah. contradict them. No, so, that's, that's yeah. right. So the soft yes mm. is quite. Uh, I thought was quite effective the way he did it. It was quite clever. I mean, just to think about what he actually. I mean, it was really impactful. I agree with. It was very, you know, like you were saying there, Matt. I mean, he he basically confirmed non-human intelligence. That was in some of the statements. He confirmed them in craft retrieve. Retrieved. He confirmed there was craft intact. I.D. found them intact. Uh, he confirmed they were housed in aerospace industry and military. Went into that. Uh, he said there were bodies, biologics. I didn't help you there, Greg, because I wasn't sure how to say it myself. So I thought I'd let you have a stab at it first. Uh, <laughs> then he, he said there's something about communication, although he didn't get into that much. But he did confirm that because if you remember, that's the big area. He talked about harm from others from the others, i.e. whatever they are, non-human intelligence. He talked about how he'd uncovered the evidence and the testimony given, like you said, uh, names and people and bases and all the rest of it. The other thing he said, I've got a list of witnesses on, I can give you a list of hostile witnesses as well. When? Straight after. I thought that was incredible. And that sets up something we'll come to the aftermath, which is where you might have more subpoenas and all that. We'll come back to that, that statement. Uh, he then went on about financial fraud and how they were doing that, you know, the $10,000 hammer and all that job, you know, from that. Uh, he talked about reprisals from senior leadership. That was pretty strong, that. Uh, he didn't even say it in the interview. Well, uh, in the interview with Ross, he was quite, so that must be all his old bosses from his old agencies. So he's sort of taking names there, didn't he? And pointing the finger, don't take a genius to work that out. And he would have probably told them, uh, he talks about the intimidation he got, which was different to the harm from the others. Uh, it wasn't quite clear if him and his missus had seen, his wife, sorry, had seen, you know, uh, the aliens, did something alien. And I thought, is that been some sort of visitations? Because they said it was disturbing. And I got the impression that was other, that, as opposed to human. But it was quite a bit, it was a bit muddled up that, because he couldn't be specific because of, of the ongoing investigation, so to say. Uh, he, he then talks about murder. Somebody asked him about that, and he said he, he did another one of those soft yeses. I'll answer that in the skiff. But it was quite clear, yes, was the answer to that. I forget how it come out. Uh, Cover-up perpetrated on the American people over decades, he said. And uh, the fact that he talked to good old Sean Kirkpatrick uh, on his Sean uh, and had been ignored. Now, I know I'm going on here, but it's just worth... There's a couple of little shots as well that we saw, but he hadn't mentioned. Uh, he said... Uh, he also said... Uh, they asked him if he'd seen uh, the craft. 
And he sort of said, I'll talk to you about that in the skiff. And he said, have you seen any bodies? He said, oh, no, I haven't, no. So clearly he's actually seen the craft. That was new. That had not come out before. Uh, he was more specific on the misappropriation and fraud than before and how it was done and the particular... Because clearly the way he mentioned it, I think it was called IRAD or something. It must be something that's quite controversial in the procurement method and the defence spending. So they all knew. He went into the interdimensionality of it, and I'll try and say that, uh, a bit more, like he talked about the holographic universe and that thing of a, a higher dimensional space projecting itself. and what. Cause, so that implied what the answer to that said. He kept an open mind on what NHI was, and he was talking about all the theoretical potentials and all the rest of it so that was quite illuminating because in another interview with ross the sort of uh the redundant interview they did before the real one he, he he said that he sort of implied balance of probabilities he was extraterrestrial and that keeps getting forgotten about. but anyway so that showed he had an open mind he said he'd seen craft from satellites but he could not explain prosaically and you know at that point they nearly got onto the nasa bit and nobody asked him, well, has NASA seen anything? I was waiting for that. I was praying for that. And they just didn't ask him because he would have answered that. I'm sure in that, but he would have answered. But he, the moment was lost. So I was, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was, I was smashing my croutons at that point. Do you know what I mean? Uh, uh, he said, uh, he answered that about why did he crash? And he said, well, you'll always get some crashes from sorties. I'm not quite sure I'm convinced by that, but it was interesting. That's and we've never had an answer to that before, have we? From a senior person, why did he crash? Did he fly all this distance and they crash? Uh, he uh, then he was also he also then that was it. Yeah, the other thing they all agreed on the. Oh, I've talked about that surveillance stuff in, but they were surveilling the field. So he really got a lot in, and that shows like the questioning, but. I mean, I thought that was amazing. At the end of that, I think everybody was psychologically, you know, everybody was going, oh, my God, I can't believe this is being said. Every line was like another sort of gazing, gazinga, wasn't it? You know, uh, it was just it was. brilliant. Man. It was. So I was it, sat, very and I was sat there open-mouthed, and sometimes I was like, go on. I was like punching the air, like, yes, that was. Yeah. That was like, what questions? I've got an answer for yeah. forgetting looking into it. And like I say, there's so much stuff that Gush covered. There's a couple that I want to kind of go in to a bit more deep. I mean, the main one, the bombshell one, for me, I mean, you mentioned it there, but Nancy Mace asked him, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? And he says, something that can't discuss in public setting. And she asks, like, okay, do we have the bodies? If you believe we have crashed craft, as stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? That's when everyone was like, <laughs> like waiting. And then he answers... By, that's when the answer is biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Like, it's not even said, like, I can't even say that. It said, yeah, bio, non-human. And she says, were they, I guess, human or non-human? And he says, non-human. And that was the assessment of people with direct knowledge on the program that are currently still on the program. And he can show specific documentation in a skiff. So him just, like, yeah, the non-human. It's vague, it is vague, obviously. He's not saying they were humanoids grey non-human intelligence bio, non-human by biologics whatever that that could be uh, but still I think someone's been saying that under oath was just like I was just like wow that was I was like yeah. that was is, the this is insane that I was mean, the mind blowing yeah sorry sorry Matt go on that's all right. Yeah, but that was definitely like the most mind blowing moment for me of the whole thing. Like, I I really didn't think that 
we'd be at the point where retrieved bodies are being talked about openly in the US Congress <laughs> this year. I mean, I got the impression he would have said, uh, if they would have said, well, who was it then? He would have said, well, it was Bill Snickers in the Area 51, Level 4, working on this project. Here's the name. And there you go. There's his national insurance number. It wouldn't have been that, but whatever the Americans have. Uh, but, you know, I, mean, it, I, I didn't have any doubt he knew all that information. It had been, but that was, the, that was the confidence he gave given him. Now, maybe I'm being, you know, he seemed to know it all, didn't he? So if anybody would have wanted to go down to that level, drill, who was working on it? It was just crazy, you know. And he spoke mm. to all these people. He interviewed them himself in his four-year his four-year investigation. He said, "I think that gives it more information to us about the kind of people he was speaking to and the knowledge that he had for him to go. I've got direct access to people who have worked and currently still work, yeah. which is that was another big thing yeah. that currently still work on these projects." I think he crafted his answers whether he knew he, he knew what obviously what to expect in questioning but the questions were so direct and not wishy-washy like like have been before it's were they human or non-human intelligence and if like you say, there was no soft yes then. That was like, yeah. they were non-human intelligence. Yeah. But one one bit that before we, we go too mad and go, oh, we've got aliens and all this kind of stuff. Um, the, the term extraterrestrial was never really used by those three. No. It was only come up in a couple of questions. So that's interesting to note that nothing has ever been talked about from space apart from David Fravor saying that these things were coming down from 80,000 feet. And he said, for people who don't know, 80,000 feet is space. So that was a good good thing. But there was nothing that really said off-world. Nothing off-world was mentioned. It was everything was around Earth. Mm. So that I thought that was interesting. The fact that it wasn't said was interesting. But the the fact that David Grush could confidently answer everything and like you mentioned his soft yeses if he didn't know he would say I don't know if he said he wasn't aware he said I wasn't aware and anytime he was getting to something that he knew something about he said I can't tell you that <laughs> in a public setting so it, it whilst it goes on record and if you read the text he doesn't say it, but it's the fact that he didn't give that information. The fact that he didn't say anything said more mm, than him yeah. saying no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he's got that guy who was his superior or the, the IG before as his lawyer. He's got Corbell and he's got Knapp in yeah. his corner and Burchette. Because Burchette's in with yeah. those two. So there's those four behind David Grush as well as him clearly being a supremely intelligent guy. So he said he's got like degree in, I don't know, physics or something physics, like that, yeah. was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's somebody who's super intelligent anyway. He probably did that on the way to work, didn't he? His degree in physics from the sound of it. You know, as he was driving <laughs> in, he probably just knocked it off, you know, as he was stuck <laughs> in the traffic. <laughs> Honestly. Exactly, uh, exactly. Um, one of the, just before we move off of, 
offer the guys. It was interesting that when they talked about sonic booms and yeah. the fact that these are weird I mean, shapes, did you hear a sonic boom? And they're like, it's too loud in the aircraft to hear anything. Well, that was hilarious. Yeah, and it, it's pretty loud it's in a good thing. You haven't, it's not really been talked about before. It's like, well, have you seen, have you heard the, the, the sonic boom? They're like, no, it's too loud. I can't even hear anything in there. So another point about David Fravor, I think he was, he was not as compelling to me as Ryan Graves was in Grush. He was definitely there because of that tic-tac, obviously. But the, his um, military dis, or his distinguished military career certainly solidifies the other two as well. Yeah. And I think even at the end, he goes, this isn't a joke. And he was like quite serious, but he's like, this isn't a joke. Yeah. So, but it was like sort of an inverted sort of Russian doll thing, wasn't it? Where you had mm. specific eyewitness, witness mm -hmm. of, as I say, the frequency and activity, and then a witness of the overall thing. So it worked quite well as a mm -hmm. framework, particularly going back and forth between them all oh we haven't mentioned did it get mark mark gattis is it what's his name uh Gates? mark gattis is for the oh, mark uh, gattis. Oh, no, yeah, 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 league <laughs> of gentlemen the guy is it, i can't remember his name the, the guy who they all don't like the uh, republican guy but yeah anyway the guy who asked the question about he was the one who one of the republicans who said out he, he described what he'd seen in that picture you know in the secure room which mm. he shouldn't have done i don't yeah and he described it the, the four objects around this massive orb and he went, that was a big moment as well. And that, you know, about what he'd seen. And he was sort because of, they were moaning about it being bad and making a lot of points. But that was pretty stunning as well. And then he sort of went, oh, you know, he, he sort of acknowledged that was the sort of thing you say. I thought that was big as well. What's his name? Is it Gates? It Is was it Gates? Way, I think it's Gates. Yeah, I think it was. It's the way he said um, that we weren't allowed to see a lot of this stuff. And then we reminded them of the. Uh, the way information flows, <laughs> he goes, and they started showing us yeah, stuff. I did, yeah. I did find that quite. They pulled rank basically, yeah. and just like mm. show well, me well, it. Well, one of the others said uh, at the end of it, and I want to. I was wondering if what people thought the mood was of Congress. I was just going to ask, but one of them said, or the, the people on the committee, uh, if we don't get any cooperation about this skip in future, we're going to talk about cutting funding, sackings, and going for this Holloman. Act which they brought back in the Republicans in 2023, and it's been on and off for the last hundred years. But basically, if they don't do what you say, you cut the funding off and start sacking them. It's an old, they brought it in the Civil War, I think, and they carried on. Okay. And, and it, it they got, then. yeah, so, so I mean, it's a little bit of a you don't want too much of that, do you? Because it could lead to abuse the other way of the executive, you know, uh, you know, but but so it showed they were all fired up though to do it, and they don't like that that they're cutting the funding off. Uh, what is it, you know, when you've got them by the balls, as it were, the hearts and minds will follow, I believe, the quote mm. is, so it might, it might have been that, but anyway. Uh, so I thought that, but I don't know what you guys thought the mood of it was, the Congress people, what what was your vibe on that at the end, or what was your take on it? So my vibe was that they were very curious, wanting to know more, um, obviously wanting to follow up on the, um, the questions that were Grush was saying that I can answer it in a secure setting or a skiff. Um, and yeah, very keen to sort of get to that. Um, I think the mood for a while now for a lot of Congress people who are into this is that they can see that 
the Air Force in particular aren't being very pr- transparent about it. Um, and, and they can see things like um, overclassification, like with, with the UAP report where they were classifying what shapes are being seen, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> um, like, you know, redacting that. And it's like, do you really need to redact a, a triangle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I, I feel like um, it, it bolstered the curiosity and the the determination i think and it made them want to follow up on what seems to have been shown to them in classified hearings and briefings um and get to the bottom of this uh, try and get as much transparency out of this as, as we can and get get the answer to whether we're alone or not at the end of the day I had, I mean, you might have a couple more specifics there, Ash. I got the sense you were going to add a couple more specifics, but just to answer my own question, I, I got the impression you were quite annoyed. I got this united bipartisan front. That was quite amazing. I mean, we're not in the middle of American politics, but even I knew that was unusual. And uh, they seem to be determined to get to the bottom of it, Bill, where Matt was going. I mean, it, you know, it's, I thought it was pretty amazing, actually, you know, the an early whistleblower, as I was saying, coming forward would have been encouraged, I thought, by that. But I don't know if there was anything you wanted to get out detail-wise, Ash, because we sort of cut you off a little bit there earlier on. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's all right. Just I had the had this big scroll, you know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean to, to have, we could talk for five hours yeah, about yeah. all the all the specifics. Why uh, you to mention politics, I obviously don't really get into the politics yeah. or that sort of side of it. But, I mean, like I say, very bipartisan. Um, and like, especially like Burchett, I mean, you kind of have to, you don't, I mean, you want to support him because he's supporting this, but then you don't want to, he's not a nice man. He's like, the rest of politics is, but we'll um, just move on to that. I, something I had a thought about earlier, um, well, I was sort of writing notes and stuff for this and I was re-listening to it. I was thinking about the, the non-human side of it and the biologics. And I'm probably way, way off with, this train of thought, I don't know, kind of had a brief thought and then I went with it and then went a bit deep into this oh, thought, dear. which is probably, <laughs> not probably so bad and wrong. But well, carry on now, Ash, you've got my attention just, now, yeah, mate. I just put it out there. Spin it out, man. <laughs> so, non-human biologics, whatever the, whatever the hell you pronounce it, um, let's call it biology. Non-human biology could, could be an animal, could be oh. a dog is a non-human biology. And so we've we have sent like dogs into space, like uh, whatever its name was. So this, if this is a crash retrieval with non-human biologics, could this have been some sort of testing where they used an animal as part of that testing, and they then recovered this test craft vehicle that had a non-human biology inside it because it is. An animal would be a non-human biology. Not what are you suggesting, Ash? We're being invaded by a lot of killer yorks <laughs> or something. What's going on here, man? It's, it's like because we're insinuating that non-human is yeah, a, yeah something we don't know, something extra, not extraterrestrial, but something non non-human in intelligence. Like a, yes, but there were the non-human biologics that could encompass just an animal. Like I said, I'm probably so off with this train of thought, but it's just something that came in mind earlier. I can see... Go on, sorry, Matt. No, no, you, Matt. I've been going on a lot. Um, Yeah, I mean, I can see that train of thought, definitely, and it it had crossed my mind that, I mean, 
because of the phrase in biologics that's very vague um I guess mm. when you look at it in the context of the News Nation interview, though, he did specifically say pilots in that interview. Um, so, I mean, if it was an animal, an animal's not a pilot. Like, even if you had put a dog up there, you couldn't say that the dog's pilot in the thing. True, true. That's when like Planet of the Apes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, the connection is, though, isn't it? But I think that could imply but it's something that's a robotic or a biological creation, but some sort of autonomous, which you guys were talking about with that, uh, you know, the uh, that thing that come out on, what was it, what's it called, Reddit? Or, uh, you oh, know, yeah. I, yeah I, so. I, I, but now I don't know whether that's true or not, but the point is, if you use that phraseology, biologics, bio, biologics, we're all at it now. I was saying it all right <laughs> before, that's your bloody fault. Anyway, uh, and yours, <laughs> no, but anyway... <clears throat> That particular wording he's using could imply some sort of a machine or biological machine. So I think you're on the right track there. Mm. The only reason I, I was pulling my face is that bloody Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. He started going, oh, no, it could be anything. It could be a bloody microbe. I thought, get a grip. <laughs> but but uh, you're right. So, so I think it's some of it, piloting is the key thing. It must have had mm. some agency. But again, again, those things in Vahina, I'm sorry, Matt, I'll shut up in a minute. In, That's okay. in, in Vahina. That they think that they were the, some of the thinking there is they were like some sort of uh, either slave thing or more like animals than the actual pilots. Even though you know that was what James Fox was saying, you weren't sure. So there could be a whole range of things out there. You don't we don't know. So it's not a daft thought, really. Ash, it could be. You don't know, dear. It's certainly implying something anyway. So I don't think it's entirely off. So on that note, throwing it out there even more conspiratorially. What if these crashed, retrieved crash retrievals um, with their non-human biologics aren't, were purposely crashed by whatever, whoever, as a means of seeding a planet? Ooh. Must be a more efficient way to do it than that, that Greg, surely. I don't know. You would spend a bloody big multi-million or whatever, multi-whatever it is, cuboid, whatever the currency is in whatever Yorkies. Uh, you know what I mean? To do, do that, would you? I mean, you'd see it, sure. The more likely thing is this, mind you, what do I know, I suppose? How do I know, as you say? But more, they'd see it, from, there'd be a much better way to do it than that. Christ, that in, can't be that. Interestingly, no. It's just, uh, <laughs> just a way out of thought, but you never, you never know. Um, so I googled biologics, meaning... Ah. So it's used in pharmaceutical uh, industry a lot, but it's oh, you're going to say? Uh, I thought you were going to say you're using pharmaceuticals, then, Greg. The <laughs> 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 appalling revelation, man. Sorry. <laughs> so it says uh, biologics is a product that is produced from living organisms or contains components of living organisms. So specifically around drugs, uh, a biologic drug, but biologics. It says is a product contains uh, produced from living organisms. So it's yeah. So that is saying it is a living organism, as mm. as we quite rightly insinuate that these are pilots. So they've got to have some kind of intelligence, probably. Yeah. Um, it they might be emissaries. Of, Sorry, Matt. Yeah, it reminds me of um, obviously both Tom DeLonge and Gary Nolan have both talked about like biological ai like the, the you know the the aliens that 
are reported. Um, Tom DeLong said that they are a kind of biological AI, like they they are biological, but they're like manufactured. He said it. It's like cloning a sheep. I think that was what he said on Rogan. Um, obviously, like God knows what the actual evidence is for that. Um, but that kind of would go some way as to explain why they crash because i'm i'm sort of reminded like that that there's a, a throwaway line in the film et where the big brother says maybe he's not that smart maybe he just knows how to push buttons and that's yeah, yeah. kind of what i'm thinking like with these pilots maybe you know if they are just very simple ai that are just able to maybe pilot these craft maybe that maybe that's it maybe there's but, not that but, much to them what grush said uh, his explanation, which I didn't entirely buy, was that you know, no matter how smart you are, uh, at, you know, a certain percentage of missions is going to end in mission failure. You're going to have crashes. It just might be a very small percentage, effectively. What we could go down on that all day, because there's a Jacques Vallée theory, isn't there? Yeah. Of it's being gifted and all that, which I don't mm. buy that either. But, I mean, who am I? It's just my view on it. I'm not saying I'm right. but mm. And uh, I think there is something to that. They might be emissaries, you know, i.e. the only thing we could sort of understand of a more sophisticated creature so the ai thing we don't know but i think going back to it he said the craft of the material science of the craft and the pa- i think talk listen to him on the interview there was a package where you had a pilot and craft and a technology and a particular sort of intentionality behind who was driving them but there was some coherence to that so i think i, I don't think the, i know it's interesting what you're saying there Greg, with me more serious because of the laughing before but uh, I think it, there is something about what is that, you know, whether they're infecting people or whether they're putting out some sort of biological thing. I think there is something to that potentially. But in this instance, I think the craft were probably, they were tied to the craft, what they were finding. But we don't know, do we, I suppose? But uh, anyway, so should we, should we move on to the aftermath now? Or is there any more on yeah. that? No, what <clears throat> Just before I go and start, there's one thing I wanted to kind of talk about. We have, we have obviously mentioned it, um, but I think it was quite important to cover off a bit more. Uh, Tim Burchett asks, this is sort of going, they talk about the reprisals and the reason why he came forward. There's obviously people, a lot of pushback and threats and all of this. And this bit was, again, probably one of the mind-blowing things for me as well, apart from the biologics, biology one. Burchett asks Grush, do you have any personal knowledge of people who've been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? And Gusha says, yes. He doesn't say non-human. He doesn't sort of correct that phrasing. He just says, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Sort of saying ET technology, yes. And then Bachet goes further. Have you heard of, or anyone been murdered or that you know or heard of? And he says, I direct the people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. So he's saying that people have knowledge of people being murdered because they have knowledge of extraterrestrial technology. That's, I mean... Yeah. Like, I mean, there's loads of saying, stories of that. Yeah. The physicist, yeah. The, the, what's his name, Forrestal in the 40s, he fell three stories out of his uh, mental hospital, they put him in, or asylum, they put him in. Uh, he fell three stories out of that, didn't he? Rather coincidentally, there's loads of talk about people dying mysteriously of cancers, weird cancers that have never been. I mean, there's a lot of different evidence, and 
the talk seems to think when it's been from the 40s to the 60s, it was most prevalent, and it sort of got a bit more sophisticated. But that is, that's where the rubber hits the road in terms of amnesty and all the rest of it, isn't it? It's one thing keeping secrets and all the rest of it. If you're going around bumping off everybody who put their head above the parapet, then what does that mean, you know? Uh, so I thought that was, and that might be, that's why we don't know why they want to keep it secret. There may be some terrible secret or some terrible thing behind it. But there's also a lot of guilt and criminality going around, isn't there, from the sound of that? Yeah, I and, think a lot know, of people will be indicted by um, what yeah. they might have done to yeah. further this cover-up if it's exposed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And then Anna Pauline Luna asks, Grush, have you had instances that caused you to be in fear for your life? And again, just says, yes. Wow. That was like, mad, mad, that one. It? You can see, like, you could, you could see... Like how much it affects him, the way he's answering, and he's like, I'm very upset. Like colleagues have been threatened, and stuff he's seeing, and stuff is just like obviously, and that's why he came forward to in the first place last 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 April was it when he first came forward or last June uh, with all this, and obviously he's come out publicly uh, in the last couple of months. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought that was um, a key one just to sort of mention because, like, say it's quite. He was quite seen. He was quite emotional over it. Yeah, he was, he was so quite replying to it. Comes back to Greg's point of administrative terrorism as well, doesn't it? Again, he was really big on that, and how do and how all his mates have been picked on as well, and oh, mm. I suppose whatever way he phrased that. But you know, how it, it just shows it. And he said people in the current senior administration, like we were saying earlier. I mean, that was mad. That, as I said, he could easily point the finger at those people. Mm. So there's a lot of pressure on him. And I suppose, did we cover the Kirk? Well, we did cover the Kirkpatrick. I did, yeah, we did blame. Ah, yeah. Yeah, he said he met Kirkpatrick as well, didn't he? And briefed him, which we'll come on to in a minute. I don't want to go on too much about Kirkpatrick because you know he's my Uh, (laughs) favourite. But, uh, yeah. So, any more for any more? Great hearing. I don't think it, based on who we thought was going to, like, when we saw who was going to be the witness to what it turned out to be, I think, I don't think it could have sat any better, yeah. really. I think it sets it up beautifully for next steps, whatever they might be. But I think there's there's a big wave of uh, expectation for the next one based on this. And if the next one is anything like this and progresses it a bit further, I, I, I don't know. There was everything going around the internet this week was, did we just get disclosure? And I think we did. Official disclosure. No actual physical evidence as such, but I think based on everything that's come before and everything that happened on that meeting, I, I can't see how what disclosure is going to look like now, apart from these people saying, it happened, we've got crash retrieval programs, we've seen non-human biologics we've got people who are committing fraud to fund projects that have not been sanctioned (laughs) there's a lot of people going to be not very happy with the way that panned out Mm. but i think the public got a good fair hearing and it wasn't whitewashed like it normally is and i think immediately afterwards there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot of people saying like why isn't why isn't the, the police or the government raiding all these people 
if they've got all these names of people that have been doing this or covering things up or about these secrets, why aren't these all being raided? Why aren't we seeing things? Things a bit over the top. I mean, I mean, I don't know what what sense would be to do have proof of sort of criminality um, and that sort of aftermath of it. I'm not sure, but it seems it seems a lot of people just sort of saying like, we should be seeing arrests and stuff being made, uh, like literally a day after the. The hearing, but I mean, yeah, know. I mean, didn't Gary Nolan say like there's a process like that? That's what the legislation's all been about. It's about doing it in the most kind of painless way that we can, um, like letting it, let, giving them the opportunity, as in people who have the knowledge, the data, secrets, what have you, give them the opportunity to come forward with it, um, in a classified setting. Um, not face reprisals for breaking NDAs, um, have these whistleblower protections on them, give them that chance. And then if they still don't do it, then bring in the kind of uh, subpoenas and kind of making it law for them to bring it forward. Well, we had this discussion, didn't we? The weaponized salary, don't you remember that? How quickly your memory, you know, the, the Department of Agriculture raiding the these sites uh, and all the rest of it so you know uh well we talked about it last time weren't we effectively they could well have raids but uh can you hear me all right by the way mm-hmm. oh yeah sorry i thought my sound had gone off then for a minute uh i bet it was just a rubbish point i was making the uh <laughs> well, i didn't want to say <laughs> no i suspect but uh but i think we could see the legislation that they passed you know about the fact that they've got to hand in all the stuff and then the other stuff with chuck Schirmer sort of fitting around this rather neatly, can't we? The, the two, we can see why they passed it. They knew this was coming up. But for me, we had the big, for me, there was a big sense of history at the end of that. I thought there was big history. I don't know whether we've got disclosure. We might have de facto disclosure, i.e. nearly, or being virtually, or de facto confirmation, certainly. We just need to see it sort of executed, I suppose, really. But yeah, and uh, I think the UFO community were really up after this, and you always get so many people moaning, but most people across the board thought it was really good. After we've been served up so many nothing burgers, it was quite nice. Uh, the usual suspects tried to play it down, but they're getting more and more marginalised now, aren't they? The mainstream media were pretty big on it. They started seeing it like as normal. We get annoyed because they don't cover it. And I was just thinking, why have they not covered it? But Four or five days in, they've started to cover it. I've seen Andy from that UFO podcast, and I've seen a few people on. Now, even you've got AI bots knocking it. You've got a couple of the normal big American channels knocking it a bit. But it was a bit half-hearted, really, because you normally get the full retaliation from the sort of uh, you know, disclosure. I want people who want to protect disclosure. It was a bit half-hearted. There's not much they could say apart from liar, liar, pants on fire, or he's been misled. There wasn't much of substance mm-hmm. there. So uh, I thought it was sort of gradually getting out there. So I thought it really landed pretty well. I mean, the other big thing, if we want to talk about the aftermath, there was a few things that did happen after that. Firstly, there was a big call for a select committee. That letter went in from Birchett and all the rest of it, asking the Speaker of the House, McCarthy, for a select committee. And the big thing about select committees in America is they're like a single-issue thing. They buy camera, which means both houses. They're bipartisan, obviously, we know what that means. But they can issue subpoenas, and they have an investigator, and they have a big budget. So they could be, they could be, that could be like Godfather 2, proper investigation for the mafia things they did, you know, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, pulling them in. 
and that that was really quite serious that and that would be where the hostile witnesses are coming that's what i was alluding to earlier uh so i thought that was pretty pretty significant uh also uh you could see arrow being replaced apart from sean patrick's thing and he's he's probably shot himself in the foot to a certain extent i'll come <laughs> back to him in a minute but you could see it being replaced by if you think about uh this uh the the, the presidential task force that's in play there's this review board in play and now we might get this potential select committee you could see those things coalescing together to form quite a a political thing. Now, Marco Boyle on Twitter, who I know, he said a, he's made a good thing to me. He said, you know, they've got to take it out of the hands of the DOD and the intelligence community because they're not going to get anywhere because they're all implicated. But that could be a very political way forward. Because when we talked about the review board, it's got more or less all the powers that Arrow have got. So that's very interesting, that. Uh, any thoughts on that? Because I was going to go to Sean Kirkpatrick's letter, but you might have a couple of observations on the other stuff first before I go on about that. Or I can carry on, I don't mind. No, happy to talk about Sean. I'm up yeah. going on to Sean. Yeah, well, yeah. well, well, we, well, the next thing we saw, so we've got, so basically we've got this select committee, it's landed well in mainstream media, we've got a select committee and they're calling for that, which, and I think we're going to see an avalanche of witnesses coming forward as well now, said they were treated. The select committee, that's being teed up. We know we've got a Senate hearing probably in September, and that's pretty well advanced from if we don't believe what we're to hear and what we hear on the grapevine, which will maybe people who have had direct experience with the craft first hand knowledge. So there's that to come. But then we had Sean Kirkpatrick went into his desk Friday morning at eight twenty AM. He'd had enough, thrust his gold tie chain to the floor, his cufflinks went all over the place. You know, his five thousand dollar suit, and his suit went, you know, over the overboard and he wrote on LinkedIn, this private letter saying how badly he'd been treated, how unfair it was. Uh, he didn't mind that, but how his poor staff had been kind of working, you know, the backsides off, criticised the whistleblowers, criticised Congress, called Grush a liar effective, said he misrepresented things. Then he doubled down on his possession on the NHI tech, although he still used the same weasel words. And... That was unbelievable. I mean, he totally lost the plot. He was totally unprofessional. He said he was writing in a private capacity. Well, if I'm the head of the Drug Enforcement uh, League and I write a private letter telling everybody to take cocaine, I'm still going to be in trouble, aren't I? Do you know what I mean? So it's just rubbish, you know. And uh, th then the, the response to that was, Corbell, he wrote a brilliant response to him, Corbell, on the tweet. You all should read it if you didn't. Everybody was just pointing out that he hadn't even got a whistleblower board set up. So how we can say nobody had come to him, I didn't know it had been completely incompetent. Uh, no evidence had been shared. It was amateurish. You remember, they had to ring, what's his name, Salas up to ask him if he took any notes. That actually happened, that. Oh, uh, nice. he took any, didn't record the interview and asked him if he they could have his notes because they hadn't took any. That was a four-hour interview. Proper Keystone cough stuff. Uh, <laughs> basically didn't investigate claims. He hadn't told Congress anything. And apparently Tim McMillan, if you remember, actually went to his staff and interviewed him and they all said they didn't like him very much. He wasn't very nice to work for. And they didn't agree with him. So really, that went down like uh, a lead balloon, that. Uh, Susan Goff sent out a statement saying it was his own private thoughts and tried to mitigate it, but that didn't go down very well. I think everybody was surprised at his, output, at his outburst and there's some calls for criminal charges under something called the Hatch Act. 
which is where you try and intimidate whistleblowers or whatever. It's It's got some weird connotations to it, or political connotations. But the point was, people were saying he was intimidating whistleblowers. He was having a go at them and threatening them. So it was a, if he's not gone by tomorrow, I'll eat my hat. Well, I might not eat my hat because I think I wrote, uh, it might be such a storm. In such a storm, the DOD, they don't want to get rid of the lightning rod. That would be the only reason. Like Jeremy Hunt, they don't want to get rid of him either because who else is going to take that job of Chancellor? It's the same as that. Who else is going to take Kirkpatrick's shoes? But he's got, I think he's un- his position's untenable, as is the DOD's. Definitely. Uh, the, Definitely. The, the other hilarious thing was that Goff, not content with trying to use Arrow, Arrow, you know, that excuse, well, Arrow hasn't uncovered anything to not mention the Pentagon. She said nobody had been murdered in connection with our own witnesses. I mean, it's so hilarious. It's absolutely, you know what I mean? Uh, they might have been murdered, but not, nobody in connection with Arrow have been murdered. I mean, that's unbelievable. What a joke that was. Uh, so It does, it does seem like it's a whole... Kirkpatrick has, has realised that he's fucked it up, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. you think he said there's been no, no credible, credible evidence essentially, of any non-human craft or, or whatever. And then you've got three guys just swore under oath that they know specifically people that have worked with on programs of crash retrieval and non-human biologics. You've got David Fravor saying, I have seen something that no human pilot could fly. I've seen technology that no way anybody could. But current technology doesn't allow us. And Ryan Graves said he's in this massive cube the size of a football pitch <laughs> and spheres with cubes in. Yet Kirkpatrick said that they've got no credible evidence. But if it's not that credible, why are they sat in front of yeah. a congressional hearing under oath being fired questions at, which Kirkpatrick could have been an absolute legend out of all of this if he'd have got that same setup and had that kind of public review he would have been a hero within the ufo community but because he didn't get there or chose not to or was told not to because there's all manner of people pulling the puppet strings i think that's (laughs) he's just gone and lost the plot yeah it's like a moment on that film um oh no what's the film i can't even think of the film where the guy just gets out of his car Oh, um, it's Michael. What's his name? In it with that. Yeah. Oh, it's called Heat and Oh, why not? No, it's not Heat. Yeah, the one you mean where he just snaps, don't he? One day, he just yeah. snaps one day, just yeah. gets out of his car in a traffic jam and just goes on a bit, goes wild. And I, I can see that's what's happened. He's got him sitting the hearing and just gone. Yeah. It yeah. read like a social media meltdown. Oh, it, it, was. It, like, it, it it kind of reminded me of that whole meme of, you know, sick of toothpaste people, who, yeah. just yeah. me and the kids from now on. Yeah. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's. Um, I, I do agree that his position's untenable. I think uh, when he made that initial statement of there's no credible evidence, um, and we're hearing of all these whistleblowers testifying privately, it's like, well, that's a... He talks of insulting. that That's insulting yeah. to the whistleblowers who have come forward. Like, we, especially when you've got people like David Fravor with Im- impeccable credibility. Um, you know, it, it's they must have read that and thought, well, 
why why would why would they come to his office to give him information though? Because he clearly doesn't take them seriously. No. I mean, he just looks incompetent, doesn't he? I mean, I mean, Grush said, Grush said, well, he, I found it out. He had the same thing as me, and he could have found it out. Why? And the question is, why didn't he? Like you say, I mean, it was just ridiculous. But, but he, yeah. I, I mean, and I think part of the reason is he's got this ludicrous standard of scientific method that's just designed for things in the air. And he's applied that to everybody, and it doesn't fit that. If it isn't peer-reviewed or at this stupid standard, he thinks it's not evidence. Well, that just won't fly because that's not how you do an investigation. I mean, that's I mean, it. the only question is, is that he going to insist that his resignation let us peer-review before they accept it? That's going to be I think. <laughs> Well, it goes back to that um, hearing when he sat there in front of, um, there was only like a few of them in the room, and we spoke about it and said he didn't even look interested, he, so disinterested, didn't want to be there. He said there's no cre credible evidence, yet he showed videos of spheres flying around. So I don't know what kind of credible evidence you need to even look into it further, because that surely is something. Mm. And then he's with NASA. He was at that NASA briefing, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And it almost like he took a bit of a, a turn and was moving towards the whole NASA thing and sort of agreeing with them. But, well, well, well he, he had a Britney moment, didn't he? he yeah. Full fucking meltdown yeah. at a well, petrol station. Well, they're the same as him, NASA, because they're implicated, in my view, anyway, I think they're in this up to the next and they've been trying to get out of it. Him and yeah. me and Sean against the world, he would have been like that, wouldn't they? You know, and and they were trying the same thing of not, you know, we'd do this five year study of how we could look at it and more bother looking at our archives and all the rest of it. And they all felt he was going swimmingly, but unfortunately, Sean sort of sunk them in a way. Well, not sunk them, but it, you know, they had that was a nice association, but he was quite happy with that. But it's the same type of cobblers. And I think he was going to go with that sphere and try and concentrate on the spheres, which was all quite woo, but not too threatening. And that was the way he was going to try and get out of it in the end. But uh, as I say, I mean, he did use the phrase in his letter, uh, other partners, civil partners or something like that. And he was NASA, I think he was talking about. It was unfair to them as well. But uh, So anyway, I think he's... Uh, well, I think his chips aren't in a good position anyway after the chippy. So there you go. Uh, I, I, he, so I've, I've, hopefully he'll go, and that might mean that Arrow, because they've got the he's got his report to write. Well, I mean, I think I think he's in such a mood he might just give a big middle finger to the Congress and do the same again. So I if think it's on time, him out of there. What if it's well? Yeah, if it's on time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so God knows what's going to happen with that, but I think they might. I think Arrow might be, as we were talking about, might be demoted to just looking at the aerial stuff. They might get somebody else in. They'll change the governance, and another body's going to move in to take over the main investigation. Because clearly, another acronym for us. Too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the review board. I mean, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I, I heard a bit of a rumor. Uh, I don't know how true this is. I've been trying to get to the bottom of it. There is a rumor that Grush had his clearances pulled after that hearing. Yeah, uh, I heard been, that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted and asked if anybody knew about it. I've asked around, people aren't sure, but now it's either true and it's retaliation, in which case they'll get in a load of trouble for that because that's definitely whistleblower retaliation, isn't it? Because the, the trick would be then he couldn't brief anybody, could he? That's what they'd say, that his clearance is pulled. I don't know if that would be correct or not. Cause, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm not quite sure of that. Or it, Susan Goff said something about how whistleblowers shouldn't 
shouldn't uh, testify in front of uh, you know congressional hearings. She said that sort of phrase, which didn't go down very well in itself. And people might have misinterpreted that statement of hers, I'm not sure. So that's one to uh, keep an eye on. But I think that, so that's just one to throw out there and we'll see how that, that works. But I think the thing to think about now is, what do we think? Where are we now? We've got whistleblowers coming forward. I think we've got, what do you think is going to happen now? What's the aftermath of this now? What do we think? I think Tricky question. question. I think public opinion, um, I, I think it's getting more of a public platform. Like, like I said earlier, I'm seeing people post on Facebook about it. Um, I'm seeing celebrities comment on it on Twitter. Um, I'm seeing memes, of, you know, about aliens are here, militaries confirmed aliens, all this stuff. So it's like, it's in the public discourse. Um, and I think people are going to look into it more. And I think we're going to, I'm already seeing more people on uh, Twitter or, or X, I guess it is now, um, uh, sort of with quest with like the sort of initial questions like, that most people new to ufos have like you know why why uh, there's so many blurry photos why do they crash so much you know uh so i, I think we're gonna see a lot more people coming into the research community and uh, i think we're probably gonna have to be quite patient with some of these people because they're you know they're, they're coming into it from a position of this is all bullshit um so yeah, you know, I think a lot of them are having the ontological shock that we talked about when Grush initially came out, um, and I think I think people are dealing with it in different ways. I think some people are dealing with it through humour, hence the memes. Um, I think some people, uh, and honestly, I think that that's a response of sometimes when people are scared. I think people, some people are genuinely pretty scared. Um, and there might be a reason to be, I don't know. Um, but I guess it's important for us to remember that we've kind of had time to square ourselves with the idea of this, whereas these, you know, people who are new to it haven't necessarily. I suppose it depends, like, like I said, there's been a lot of public sign reaction and the media not been too bad with it. I suppose it depends how long it lasts until the next non-UFO story kind yeah. of distracts everyone again and it's just kind of forgotten about. I mean, I went out and bought a newspaper today for the first time ever. Uh, the Financial Times, just because it had like UFO on the front page. Um, and the only other paper that does that usually is a star and it's usually, like I say, jokey mm. stories. But I thought this could be a, a monumental moment. I thought I'd just buy it and have it. It's £4.80, so I'm kind oh, of feeling a bit re still reeling from that yeah. price when I saw the price of it. I have about a pound or something for a newspaper. That's £4.80 for yeah. a newspaper. What the frick? The Guardian's had a few a decent article there, but pretty soon they are coming around to some of the quality papers. And I think Chris has been done, Chris Sharp's done a lot of good work in the mail, which is a sort of middle ranking paper. Even if you don't like its politics, it's quite well read, and the reporting standards are pretty good. Uh, by and large, I know they're not always, but but they're pretty good. They're not like you know the star and all that. And this has got, to, and particularly if Chris does it because he's rigorous. But but so I think we are seeing that, and there's more articles coming out, and there's a bit of a pushback. But 
it does seem anyway. What do you think, Greg? What do you think is going to happen? Sorry, I've got what's going on. That's right. Yeah. So I actually, because I watched the hearings again this afternoon, I actually watched it on the Guardian YouTube channel, the Guardian newspapers YouTube channel. So that says something, doesn't it? That they're they're giving. I mean, this it's easy enough to do, but that's two and a half hours on the Guardian's YouTube channel. No adverts, nothing. It was straight. Let's let's do the video type thing. Um, um, like Matt said it's a lot of people who have been um, negative or not even just blanking the whole subject because of the credibility it's had in the press and that previously um, are now seeing that oh actually it is real there's a whole lot of information for them to take on board now it's not just the tic tac which is obviously the the highlight for a lot of people in recent years but you've got everything now to look at it opens up a whole new world for people and i think it's going to change the perception of a lot of people about how politicians and how suppression of information is carried out so it has a slightly wider um slightly wider uh repercussions for for people but i think i've had people uh work messaging me i've had other people go in and like contacting me saying i can't believe this is real um, i've had conversations with other people who are strictly been paranormal and now interested in going into forests and and looking for ufos um it's yeah, it's an exciting time. It, it feels like a bit of a, um, a resurgence. It really does, I, I mean, and I think it can only go, it can only progress for the better now. And I think we're going to see changes. This disclosure act, if that comes in, um, and it actually gets put forward and signed in, will be great because, like like you've mentioned, and like we mentioned before, you've. You've got people appointed by the president, so it doesn't come any higher up from the like the commander in chief of the U.S. military is the has got oversight of people who are going to be looking into it. So it it's such a I think that that hearing was such a monumental line in the sand for the truth or more probable the truth than we've had before that despite the reservations of who was going to be the witness like you mentioned i think they've done a solid job those three grush hero i think to many now lots of memes about bob lazar saying i told you so (laughs) um which i thought was quite funny um but i think coming coming next i think we're gonna see like you mentioned arrow's gonna be replaced or quietly fizzled out i think because they might just want to just stop talking about it hoping kirkpatrick goes away i think that's probably the best thing they can do is not make an issue of it It just it it just takes some time with his family or whatever you want to call it usually when somebody has a bit of a meltdown they're just gonna sabbatical for a bit um arrow will just fizzle out I think the NASA thing is going to be interesting about how that progresses, whether it progresses, because they, this is an opportunity potentially for them to say, look, 
it's now being handled by the Senate will help out rather than we're going to be a stakeholder or like a major stakeholder. I've got a feeling that that's how they can get out of it. They can just provide information rather than providing reports because yeah. they're in a real sticky situation. Well, that's right their now. game plan, isn't it? That's their game plan. They want to say, oh, really? I'm, that's a surprise. And then just help out, don't they? And, and, yeah. and that's what they're hoping. Nobody bubbles them in the meantime. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, because as soon as they mentioned about satellite imagery and all that kind of stuff, that, that suggests that it can be seen from outer space. Oh. And that could suggest that people have seen a lot more up there than oh. they're letting well, 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 they've been at it for Which years. we all know, yeah. which we all know. Oh, yeah. I mean, seeing's believing, isn't it, I think, with all this. Yeah. And yeah, it's one thing, it uh, and seeing that hearing, I mean, I saw my dad watched it as well, fully enough. He's 80-odd, and he watched it, and he was, well, people can see. But it's not all weird sort of woo-woo stuff. It's people no, in it's committees not. talking about laws, talking about all the, in the language of how you'd hear it on the news, as it were, politically boiled down to political issues and somebody's done this and accountability and all that. And it's very much on in the mainstream. And as I say, even for us, seeing was believing. We knew a lot of that stuff. But I mean, Grushy's a bit newer, in fairness. Uh, but uh, even so... It still, to me, was massively impactful and impactful on everybody. So I think seeing is believing. And the interesting thing is that we've got more whistleblowers will come forward. As I say, we've got the hearings coming through. We've got this legislation wrapping its arms around it. And thinking of your chess game there, Matt, it's whether I think they've got a bit of a tiger by the tail because I think it has been a very careful, as I said, emergent strategy to manage this. But mm. we're at the point where it could go all over the shop. You've got some crazy different political sections. You've got people who are fired up. You don't. It's very hard to predict where it's going to go. And somebody might pick that chessboard up and wrap them around the every bit. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and they might go in all kinds of different directions. And, and I think uh, the question that then becomes: Where did they see the disclosure train going? The people, the, the, the pro-disclosure people. And I think they wanted it to go to more openness, more scientific collaboration. Probably go to the UN and probably gradually introduce the technology, but they may not have wanted to go to the treaties, or if there is any, or communication, some more existential issues, and they probably wanted had a, a more gradual strategy around that, and that might not happen, It might, and they didn't want to go to abduction either, and it might all start to come out in a way they didn't want, and so the disclosure train may go right through the station and carry on to the end of the rail line carrying that torture scenario on and I think that it's very interesting I'm not saying that will happen I think they've got it pretty well planned out and, and but it's just amazing to think where we are now and the language who would have thought at the start of the year the language was been in the law non-human intelligence non -human intelligence yeah unbelievable so one yeah. person we haven't mentioned yeah is um well we haven't properly talked about Corbell and Nap apart from the fact that they're definitely been uh, a guiding route for Grush, I think, because they they'd spoken to Grush way before Coulthard did. So <clears throat> I know they're quite a divisive pair together, but I do think they're probably sitting back a lot more. I do personally think that there probably might be more credibility to them too. Well, they handed him on. We Greg. give them justice for. They handed him on, apparently. He, uh, he, yeah. I mean, he had also had other links. He had links to Lou because he drafted the legislation for the NDAAs before he'd come out. Mm -hmm. So he had a lot yeah. of connections. He went to see Nap, and Nap said, we'd love to break the story, story but 
we think you better go in with him. And he wanted to do that as well. Yeah, I wanted the New yeah. York po- Times, not New York Post, not Green Street. No, he definitely wanted, not that one. No, no. He, wanted the, <laughs> he wanted the New York Times to break it. But you're right. Yeah. They, they were really, they fought the, the higher cause, as it were, rather than their own sort of, you know, notoriety or fame, I should say, not notoriety, fame. Yeah. And I think they I have think, played a good role there. I mean, I, I know... Yeah, I think George Knapp's a bit long in the tooth for yeah. getting that quick win, which he could have done. Yeah. They could have got a quick win, and Corbell would probably have loved that. Yeah. But I do think they seem to have played it quite well, considering what we've spoken about with them before. I do think that... Um, I think they've played more of a major role in it, and I think we, the community gives them credit for because there's a lot of people that... Um, shit on Corbell. Uh, me at times as well, but I do think they've probably played this quite well. Um, but there was one other person in the room, we haven't spoken about her. <clears throat> She's one of the Senate committee. She asked some questions and she is a very public face of somebody who's willing to debate. Now, I don't know what her full name is. I only know her as AOC. Or Cortez. Is it Cortez? Is it Cortez? I think it is, yeah. 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 So she was asking a lot of questions. I was quite surprised to see her there because she's actually quite a high-profile public figure. She goes and will argue about things. She's very good in front of the public and very good in front of the press. So she could be one to watch out for because she was on the side of everybody in the room. I think everybody in the room was on the same side, which was great. There was nobody trying to dismiss anything that was being said. They were just trying to reinforce. Well, I, that was the vibe I got. I thought Eric that, Berlinson, he was the, uh, he was like the skeptical one with that smug face. He was like, yeah. oh, they traveled all these millions of miles. Why did they crash? Type, yeah. oh, it's like, but I do, up, five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I do think though, the, the gravity was towards the support for those guys and support for information they were coming across because they mentioned at times that they were doing a very brave thing, that it was important they did it, that kind of thing. So my whole, I was, well, the messages I got from Ash <laughs> was like, it's insane. <laughs> He's sending me loads of messages. I was like, have you seen it? I was at work. He's like, have you seen it? He goes, I'm watching it now. It's insane. And I'm like, oh, I need to watch it when I get home. So you know shit is going down when Ash is getting oh, super excited about. I stuff. thought that I, had to, I thought my Twitter was playing up when I saw one of Ash's <laughs> tweets there. I thought, no, no, man, no, I'm in an alternative universe. No, <laughs> no, but the, the fear, the politically speaking, it is an interesting one of what's going to happen on a presidential campaign because yep. you've got the two extremes of each party. You've got you've got the right wingers, and their their whole thing since the war is the state is bad. And, and it's become cold for not wanting to have any public spending or redistribution. This is just my view. People may differ. So they've demonised the state, the right wing in America since the war. And uh, so this plays into their narrative of the evil state. On the other side, you've got the left who think the military industrial complex is far too powerful and he's misleading spending and secrecy is too much. And uh, there needs to be more freedom of information and accountable government. So they've got common ground for different reasons. But the political thing is, I think it could well become a political issue in the uh, election campaign. Now, Trump could get hold of this and say, look, let's look at this state here. They're all lying to you, you know, and then he plays into all these tropes or whatever you might you think of him. And so the White House has got to get behind this now, I think, and say, we've set this up, we've set that up. So 
everybody has got an incentive to get the issue and make it theirs and bring it into the mainstream. And I think it might be a real interesting galvanizing issue. And that is very, very interesting how it's going to play out politically. So it's interesting you say that, Greg. So the two extremes, it appeals to them. But, and the Democrats have been less enthusiastic than the right wing, I suppose, the Republicans. But it, I think the lap, Biden has got to bring it. If he wants to win, he's got to bring it into the... He's got to take it from the hands of Grush and the extremists and change the narrative, which he started to do over Balloon Gate. And, and so it's really, really interesting how it's going to play out. But if we see it in the presidential campaign, that'll just be crazy. But, uh, yeah, it's really interesting you say that. But there was a lot about, and it has been, I hope it stays bipartisan. And let's be honest, they've all had the wall pull over the rise. And the biggest mm -hmm. line of demarcation is between what I thought the political class and the DOD and the IC. That was a very clear dividing line to me. And that was why I was yeah. talking earlier about some essentially political vehicle replacing our, our, our politically controlled vehicle replacing Arrow, which is the, the sort of child of the DOD and IC, really. Mm -hmm. and, and, that'll, and, I, and that'll probably, because it's accountability at the end of the day, and, you know, being democratically accountable and all the rest of it, it's a bit fascinating. I, I, I would say to people who are listening to this, we haven't gone into the other stuff this month. Because we did it, we deliberately did a big show on the law, legal stuff, the last episode on Pursuit of the Paranormal. So I would suggest people have a listen to that because that'll give them a bit more context on where it might go mm. as well. Because we knew we were going to be talking about all this today. But if you listen to both the episodes together, you probably get quite a good overview of all those issues. Uh, anyway, so there you go. Anyway, so uh, is there any more for any more there? Big shout out to Brian Cox on Twitter, who still oh. refuses to believe that there's anything out there. Can I read you my note? I've got, I've got something written here. Says, Brian Cox made an absolute dick of himself. That's what I've got <laughs> written down. And he said at one point on something else, well, the pyramids aren't as impressive as a modern house building. The, 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 a modern house has achieved more technically than building the pyramids. Well, if that's what you're saying, he's an absolute... What a... What a how about... I can't use the sort of words that I'm thinking. It's that bad. I can. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not. It, no, I know I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. I, 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 I'm, far, saying, I'm far too much of a class act for that, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> saying that, he was in the Manchester Evening News, I think it was today's, or yeah. yesterday, some point, uh, saying he wouldn't be surprised if aliens landed in Oldham. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, oh, it, I saw that. Oh, he, that. He tweeted about that. He tweeted about I'll that. i never forgiven him with that patronising infinite monkey cave when they went to the north to laugh at all us lot. But anyway, that's a bit parochial. That. Is it? Is it? it? it is, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think the other thing we should say, lads, uh, I think they've done us proud again with the round table. So they've upped the ante for us again, haven't they? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, now they had the legislation this month, they've had a full hearing for us because they need a round table. They said, right, lads, round table again, 26, <laughs> get the hearings going. We were on recess, so we don't want to let them down. Yet again, the round table <laughs> has made UFO history. We've been the catalyst for changing the ufology world. <laughs> what are we going to have next yeah, month? Yeah. Like a, a grey coming out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it'll be the exhibition, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, Joe yeah. Biden will rip his mask off and he would have been a grey all there, along yeah. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just want to say, I never thought I'd see the day with the BBC website. They had like a play-by-play -play yeah, live yeah. in of the whole thing, like, like it's a football match or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's, yeah, something I've never... Yeah. Sky had an arty thing on it. Uh, yeah. Mad, that was really good, actually, the Sky one. Uh, 
Apparently, Jason Corvello, is it Corvetto or whatever his name is? He was on CNN. Colavito. He was a disgrace. Yeah, Colavito, he's a disgrace. Isn't he? What he's got, uh, with his normal crap about how it's all made up and this, that, and the other. But, uh, so there's been a few recidivists on there, but mainly it's been pretty good. I mean, I, as I said, I know I've gone on about a couple of them, but I've written some MP about it, and they are waking up to it. And I don't think it's long before with this Five Eyes stuff, you know, about what we've been involved in and the defence issues, and seeing it, again, in the context of a hearing, which politicians can understand, how long before it becomes a point of question. You know, and the issue is, what's the political lever that it pulls for the Labour Party? They can say an incompetent government, asleep at the wheel, that would be the line I'd go with if I was the Labour Party, you know. Uh, but I think it's, it's coming, and there's Canadian stuff, uh, and then there might be other countries who start to speak out, you know, and as I say, this UN thing might become quite important. It's just not very British, is it, to... Uh, <laughs> no UAPs, please, we're British. That's yeah. what it is, I, isn't it? I remember Lou Elizondo saying something about the British attitude to it, and he said the impression that he got was that the British were letting the Americans take the lead with this. Yeah. So they're being deliberately very cautious and not wanting to... Go, you know, let the Americans go first. Let them make a fool of themselves yeah. if that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. You know, um, so that could well be it. But I'm hoping that we're catching up. And like you say, I've seen more of the UK media covering it now, which is encouraging. Uh, and some of my friends as well, um, people I know, messaging me about it. Um, so that's that's really positive, and I hope it continues. Well, they're embarrassed, aren't they? I, I say, chaps. Uh... We seem to have some uh, aliens around. Oh, yes, terrible. <laughs> and I can't quite explain it, really. seems to have missed it. And, uh, yes, we thought it was one thing. Wasn't it? And we talked to Americans about it. And, you know, we just didn't know. Oh, <laughs> awful. Uh, and it was a bit, I... of, a bit of a cock-up, really. And, and <laughs> a bit of an oversight. And, well, we'll try and sort it out. But I still just can't quite believe it. What about you, Monty? <laughs> I actually had a text message from my daughter who's on holiday in Italy with the news story. Oh. And I was like, yep. Wow. And she put, they've admitted it. No going back now. Yeah. Yeah. She just brilliant. turned 18. Rip off the old block, eh? That sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, say, say, Dave, you nearly sound as posh as Greg then. Oh, well, <laughs> as you know, this is my real personality. Yes, I only <laughs> put on that terrible northern accent to carry favour with the bloody messes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, eaten all the way for me. Ballingdon Club, uh, me and Bozzer. <laughs> oh, it's almost racist. No, 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 classist. Come on, come on, Greg. Let's let's get our terms right. Enunciate properly, there, men. Conjugate the verb. <laughs> there you go. Frank could have us. Frank could have us for breakfast there, wouldn't he? He'd give us a right dressing down. Where's Frank? Cut us off forty-five minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was all a bollocking, wasn't he? For this sort of behavior. We miss you, Frank. Yeah, I definitely miss, miss him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess <laughs> Could we call it a night there. How do yeah. Frank's bidding for him? Yeah, that's right. Well, I think you did a good job there. So, very good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Who is this Frank? Yeah, well, anyway? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I will call it. Yeah. yeah, and a nice one. Cheers, Dave, as always. Yeah. Matt, thanks for coming back. Thank you. And joining us this month again. And Greg, as always, I've been Ash from Shoot the Harmonic, deliver Pursuit of the Paranormal. And we'll see you next month for the next JP Roundtable. Cheers, guys. Really enjoyed it, man. Bye. Bye.
The UFO round table. The UFO thinker and pursuit of the paranormal podcasts.